Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you are listening to Wine. Why Not? A Queer Podcast. Episode 12, The Happy Ooh. Dozen. <laughs> I was like, the what? Dirty what Dozen. Really? Oh, there you go. I was like, what obscene, messy, dirty thing can we compare 12 to? The Dirty, Dirty Dozen. We are, we are. <laughs> Which is <laughs> not, I don't think, a dirty thing. We are now legal Never in seen some countries. Yeah! <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I do. Um, I do want to say that we kind of have our first sponsor-ish. Oh yes, which we is do. Exciting. Uh, we got a we got a wine donation. So, uh, Jeremy, tell us what wine you're drinking and tell us where we got it. Absolutely. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the LGBT Plus Center Orlando. <laughs> The center. <laughs> we have the best sound effects. Um, that's not even us. That was a soundboard. <laughs> uh, but no, they uh, were gracious enough to donate some wine to the podcast. Uh, and today, I am drinking Vera Monte, which I'm pretty sure that's not how it's pronounced. Uh, but it is a, uh, a Pinot Noir. I'm not a Pinot Noir drinker usually. So this is going to be... Um, I don't even know if I've ever had a Pinot Noir. Um, so this is going to be kind of a... Uh, on-the-spot taste test. I'm sure that somewhere a sommelier is, is, is dying. <laughs> That's the way you just pronounce this. So this is a P-note no-I-R, <laughs> uh, and it tastes real smooth. Let's see. Not bad. Ah. That's, it's, it's a lot sweeter than wines that I usually drink. I usually drink... Um, uh, either a Merlot or a Cabernet. What did you call this? A Vera Monte. <laughs> I think it's just Vera Monte, but I don't know. It is a, I'm reading the back of the label now. It is a Casablanca Valley from Chile, uh, 2019 Pinot Noir. Oh my so goodness. thank you, Center. You know, somebody was talking about this wine like it was like the best thing in the world. And I saw, I was like, oh, let me look it up and see how much a bottle costs. Four ninety nine. dollars uh, no. a little more than that. Not much more. Um, but I good. mean, my day-to-day, <laughs> my day wine is, uh, cost me about seven ninety nine a bottle, so. Oh, it is fancy then. Th- this is, anything over $8 is fancy to me. Well, congratulations, and thank you to the center. We yes, really big thank you. It. We do, we love the center. Absolutely. They do a lot. Let's and now. Slide this back over to my side. They peddle in wine. Yeah. Wow. So good, 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 good. I do want to start by um, correcting something Ooh. that I said in the last podcast that was wildly incorrect. I believe. What'd you mess up? I said that there was a TV show called. What did, did I even get the name wrong? No, I called. I said that. Um, Sigourney Weaver starred in a TV show where she was the president and Josh Gad played her son. Yes. And I, I confidently said this to be true. Commander in chief. And much of it is incorrect. Mm. Much of it. It was Gina Davis who was in yes. Commander in Chief. And Josh Gad was not her son in no. that show. Um, I forget the, the guy's name who was in it when I looked it up, but he's super hot. So oh, check well, it there out. you go. Um, he's also in Time, Timeless, the new TV show that, that came out about mm. the. Uh, that was a movie that had, oh, what's his name in it? You know, the Night Stalker, Brokeback Cowboy. Jeff, uh, Jeff, Je- <laughs> Jeff Gyllenhaal. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah, he was, he, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Josh Gad did play a presidential son 
but it was in 1600 Penn uh, where Bill Pullman was the president. Ah. See? I'd get there eventually. It only took a week. Bill Pullman was also the president in Independence Day. And right now, one of our avid listeners, Jen, is listening to this, and she's thinking to herself, Bill Pullman gave the commencement speech at my college graduation, and she... Did he just rehash the Independence Day speech? I mean, that's still okay. According to her, it was insanity. Like, he must have gotten high right before he gave the speech. Those are the best. Bizarre and all over the place. I love it. If if I remember it correctly. And I may have heard the story a few times, so I think I do remember it. Bill Pullman came up in conversation, and by conversation I mean between me and as I was watching TikToks, and I feel like I just watched something with Bill Pullman's kid in it, and I didn't know it was Bill Pullman's kid. What was it? Oh, what was it? I'd be very interested to know. Do you know that Bill Pullman stars in a, in a series that's really good, and it's, it gets no love, I don't think. I heard about it on uh, My Favorite Murder podcast, so I checked it out. It's called The Sinner. Have you seen that? No. What is that? It's I, In the first season, Jessica Biel is in it, and she plays this, um, uh, well, some like something happens. There's this murder, and somebody's accused of it, and he's a cop that tries to figure out what happened. And there's three seasons. The last season got super bizarre, but that, that episode, or first season was really good. In the second season, there was a kid who, like, they show him in a hotel room with his with what you believe are his parents and then they end up dead and they think this kid did it and so he's the cop that's investigating it. Really good show. Mm, interesting. Um, it wasn't with TikTok. It was a conversation I had with IMDB oh. uh, as I was watching Top Gun Maverick. One of the pilots who is, whose code name is, uh, call sign is Bob. That is Bill Pullman's son. Really? Yeah. I'm going to watch that. I, you know, it's on my list. Lewis Pullman plays Lieutenant Robert seen? Bob Floyd. How many times have you seen Maverick? Twice. I saw it in the theaters when it came out. And then uh, this past weekend, I spent uh, in a resort with my family for Easter. And uh, my brother brought one of these giant inflatable movie screens. The thing was maybe like 15 feet tall, 25 feet wide. It's a giant blow-up screen. And then we went and rented uh, Top Gun Maverick and, and watched that poolside. We felt fancy and rich. Ooh. See, at my house, we just used one of my white T-shirts. Oh. <laughs> if you ever want to see an IMAX screen, I'll borrow loan you one of my white T-shirts. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, it's on my list to watch. I think I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, sing along to the catchy tune by Lady Gaga when you watch uh, it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. The Lady Gaga tune is my favorite thing about the movie. Um, it was Top Gun Maverick was on my list of 2022 films that everybody raved about, and I was just like, yeah, it was okay. Uh, there was a lot of those in 2022. I felt that way about the Avatar film. Well, they, um, had, they had been out a while. They were just kind of yeah, know. yeah. It's just you know, I, it, it's fill, It's all that nostalgia stuff. Nostalgia is so hip and 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 trendy these last couple of years that anything that that triggers something you loved in the 80s or 90s is just gold for some people. Well, Lady Gaga song is gold. Mm. She, Anything Lady Gaga touches is gold. She, pretty much. She is Lady Gaga of the Midas Touch. That is her full Christian her name. Her full given name, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, th- I thought the Oscar performance that she did, I know we talked about this already, I thought that was stunning. I know I you did it. Good. You were like, it was girl, fun. It was, like, girl, put on a dress, you're going to be a fan I of the just Oscars. thought I you should have dressed a little fancy for the fanciest night of the year. Oh, my God, do you remember? Okay, this is the worst thing anybody's worn to a costume show 
other than a costume show, an award show, a costume and an award show, other than like, I don't know, a meat dress. But um, are you familiar? Are you familiar with a, a singer by the name of Ariana Grande? I sure am. Her brother is named Frankie Grande, uh, and he is he rose to fame. You know what's funny is he he was on Big Brother, right? Which I'm okay. obsessed with that TV show. He was on that show, and he was telling everybody. He was like, "Don't tell, don't tell everybody, but my sister is Ariana Grande." And I'm like, I look over at Jen. I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, but we've established. I listened to Barry Manilow and Air Supply. Yeah. Like, this like, was also like back probably when she was on Victorious and not like one of the biggest pop stars in the world. That is correct. But everybody, uh, big enough that when everybody in the house found out, they lost their shit. Oh, okay. So anyway, he goes to some awards show. And maybe it was like the MTV Music Awards. And so maybe it was fine. I don't know. But I feel like it was something related to something that was, you know, above his pay grade. And he didn't wear a shirt. He had a body painted a tuxedo vest on his body and went and was like, look, I'm cool. You know what? I'm going to, I'm, I have no comment. For that. <laughs> I have no comment. You know what? The world is ending. Wear your body paint and your ripped jeans to fancy award shows. Although like full like Sunday best garb on and go on the subways in New York. Um, I, I don't know about that because I'm just a little country girl. <laughs> But I do kind of miss the days when people would get dressed up to go to the movies or like to when they were flying. Back in the when flying was first a thing, you put on your bet. You wore a suit. Yeah, come on, kids, and get you, on your Sunday best for yeah, Sears. You you packed up, uh, you know, your your fancy suits and you got on the plane and you lit, lit the the flight attendant imagine? on the ass. <laughs> I never, I didn't fly on a plane until I was in college, and by then smoking on planes had been banned. But mm -hmm. can you imagine? Ooh. Mm -mm. So, what'd you do this week? Uh, let's see, what I do this week? This week, uh, well, I mentioned I came down, and uh, my brother got, and uh, his kids came down and everything. Um, uh, it, well, two of his, his two, um, who are married to airmen in the United States Air Force. Air Force. <laughs> in the Air Force. Um, hoorah, Air Force. I, was, I spent many years in the Air Force, so I uh, uh, was very proud that they, Locked themselves, but one flew, or they drove down from Virginia. The other one's at Camp Darby, I believe. Um, and uh, they rented an Airbnb. Beautiful place. It's it's some resort out past Kissimmee. Like, I mean, we were Davenport. Yeah. Um, and it was five bedrooms, four and a half bath, had a private pool, also had a big community pool in this. It was, I felt like I was driven into Stepford from Stepford's Wives. And it was well, a little crazy. I'm glad, I'm glad to see you made it. Um, when I first pulled in... Um, there was a large crowd of, um, and I knew they were Jewish because the men were wearing hot yarmulkes, and all the women had uh, floor length, um, and it just, it looked like, it felt like a very Stepford Wives kind of, or just, you know, having fun at the pool and, and playing uh, that game where you hit the, the hula hoop with the stick. While you wear shorts and a, you know, like the Brits, the Brits, the little what, the lollygagging, what, the, what the, game, the dillywagger, you, you know, what the, game do you hit the hula hoop? It's an old timey game. You roll the hula hoop. You never seen this, like in old fashioned nineteen twenties movies. Godfather, I think, the little boy in his shorts and he's got the little uh, newsy cap, and they roll a hula hoop, and they got a stick that they just hit along the top just to keep it balanced, and they just roll it down the street, la de la la la. Oh wow. Anyway, they were doing all that crazy white ass shit. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was fun. It was as fun. As one does on Easter <laughs> as weekend. As one does on Easter's <laughs> weekend. Um, 
but it was a lot of fun. Got to hang out with family. So uh, good time. Oh, that's good. good. Time. So Easter is a big holiday in your family. Uh, I come from a long line of good Southern Christian folks. So Easter and Christmas are when we are closest to Jesus. Do you know what my favorite thing about Easter is? What the, the eggs? Clothes. The clothes. I love Easter clothes. Like the, you know, I don't know. The fancy clothes you wear while you hit your hooli well, whopper yeah, down the like street. Yeah, like the 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 pastel plaids and the bright color yellow shorts gotcha. and that kind of the stuff. The color of Easter eggs. Yeah, it's kind of like the shirt kind of that I have on a little bit. Uh, I dig really. it. I dig it. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Easter for the chocolates. I like the chocolates. Um, but speaking of Easter weekend, what did you do this past week? Oh uh, well, you know, I'm not so much of an Easter person, so I didn't. Uh, I worked all week. <laughs> It's this. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier, and I'm like, "What am I even going to talk about?" It's the saddest, the saddest week. Um, I, I will just sort of give a shout out uh, to my my husband. His mother passed away last Monday, and so it's been a really long, rough week uh, for him and his family and all of us. And she was an amazing. She was a great person. She's a power relationship from the moment we met. I mean, I he was we we met we dated for a very short amount of time and then he had to go house sit at his uncle's house in in New Paltz New York and i was like ooh i'll come visit you <laughs> and so i flew up with his mother and we spent a lot of time together like early on in our relationship and and we just um, went on this big cruise together last november and she was a big part of our lives and will be greatly missed uh, so that was the bulk of it and what i wasn't doing when i wasn't you know with him I was working. I mean, I worked until 11 o'clock every night this week and all day yesterday. So, you know, that's what Easter means to me, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, but I do, I have an Easter tradition that I really like. <laughs> Sorry, choked on my wine. That I want to say. It's the weirdest thing. Um, I don't know. It's not the weirdest thing. There's plenty of weird things out there. I mean, the way that the lady comes down the stairs in The Exorcist, way That's more weird. May, way more weird than what I'm about to tell you. You know what's funny? It's so many people reference that scene to The Exorcist. It's like, oh, that's the remake. It's the remake. That's not even in the yeah, original. Because that's... they were like, we have to make this scary as shit. What are we going to do? And they did the one thing that will make anything scary as shit. And they had somebody crawl at you backwards going down the stairs. Mm. Never no. do I ever want to see that in a movie again. So. Uh, my mom had this funny tradition, and I know you don't appreciate things when you're when you're a kid, I guess, as much as you do when you get older. But my mom used to make, or let me say this correctly, in case there's any kids listening, the Easter Bunny used to drop off an Easter basket to my mom, who would then hide them, and so she would wake us up on Easter Sunday, and she would always say, she would come up, she'd wake us up, she'd be like. I have it on good authority that the Easter Bunny was here and he left you something special. And so then we'd have to get up and go find it. It was the same sentence every year. And in retrospect, I just love it. I love to say I have it on good authority all the time now because of that. And so we would go around the house looking for um, our baskets, which is a fun game um, you know, for us as kids. I imagine after a while, you know, it would get irritating for, for the parents while we were looking for it because they would just kind of sit there and they're like, no, you're, you're getting colder, getting colder, getting warmer if we get to it. So I think eventually they're just like, it's over there, you stupid kid. <laughs> but it was a good time. I, I, I enjoyed it. Good, so that's good. an Easter tradition that um, that died when I became an adult. But I'm sure that they still, I'm sure they did that with my brother's kids. Yeah. Um, it's funny because um, there, there's movies and TV shows out there. We're, we're big entertainment people. That's why we do this podcast. Um, but there's certain You mean things. big, like, you know. 
around the waist. Big, like, overweight. <laughs> also, we enjoy it immensely. Um, but there's certain, like, when you hear people say words, and it always, they trigger something you saw in a movie or heard in a movie. And every time somebody says Easter Bunny, my mind automatically goes to Olympia Dukakis in Steel Magnolias at the end when she's like, it's almost time for the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Every time I hear someone say Easter Bunny, I hear her voice in my head. I God rest her soul. love that movie. Oh, we need to do, because um, I mean, I know that, well, there's one scene particularly where they talk about gay people. Um, but I mean, just from end to end, that is just such a super gay movie. Um, and I once, um, when I was in the service, I got stationed in Louisiana. And at the same time, my sister, whose husband was a Marine at the time, was stationed in California. And my mom and dad had just moved to their new house in South Carolina. And my dad was traveling a lot for his job. So the three of us were in new places that we didn't know anybody. So we were still kind of adjusting. So we would call each other on the phone every night and talk. And one night, Steel Magnolias was on TV. And I recited the entire film to my mother and my sister on the phone doing the voices, doing the characters. Um, obviously, when I got to the, the uh, Sally Field part at the gravesite, uh, it was very entertaining. I enjoyed doing that scene. Um, but yeah, that's a very special movie for our family, at least the ladies in our family. You know, I wonder if, there, if there's enough like iconic gay movies that are not gay that we, sh that we could talk about. That would be a fun, oh, a fun yeah. topic, because I can think of two. That would be great to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah, I can think of quite a like few. Mommy yeah. Dearest. Mommy dearest. So there, mm. that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, well, let's just jump into it. Yeah, let's see. this way we get to everything. Now, last week we didn't get to everything, so we decided to switch things up. Not only are we recording this earlier than we normally do, so yes. we're in, so no one's hearing it live. No. <laughs> so you don't even know if it's really what we said. You don't uh, even know if we're really you <laughs> or here. <laughs> that reminds me. Of somebody making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And there's like that, remember that one where it was like Eraser? I don't know. Eraser. Or there was one where like he was cloned. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Clone. am I no, you? Are you me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? The Sixth Man? Is that what it was called? Was it? I don't I don't, I don't remember. We'll look into it. I enjoyed it. I can tell you that. Sometimes I have terrible taste. So anyway, um, uh, we're we're going to see a boy band. <laughs> yeah, later on tonight, which is why I mean we're like, oh, let's move that podcast. Somebody wants us to go see a boy band. Yeah, um, just to give them a shout out in yeah. case they're listening. And to try to be um, cool and hip. No Lonely Hearts is or NLH as the kids say. Um, I don't I don't hang out with kids. So I don't know what they say, uh, but they are a local boy band here in Central Florida. Or at least they will be today. I don't know 100% if they're from Orlando. They may just be stopped here. I think that may, and sometimes in, in boy bands, like one of them will be from the Central Florida area, so they say it's a it's an Orlando boy. You know, it's funny you say that, because the next paragraph, uh, this group is made up of five young men, hand-selected during an intense nationwide audition process that brought together Alex from New Jersey, Brian and Oliver, both from Florida. It doesn't say where in Florida, mm. it just says Florida. Aiden from Pennsylvania, and Dylan from Texas. They're all currently living, rehearsing, and recording in Orlando, Florida. So there you go. Uh, it's, it's exciting. They, are, they were put together by the same uh, team. Uh, well, not all of them, because mm. some of them aren't with us anymore. But uh, the, the leftovers. <laughs> 
the team who put together NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, um, they are involved uh, with this group. So we're going to go out to Planet Hollywood tonight, and we're going to hang with the band and, and talk to them and uh, see what's going on. And speculate which one's gay. All of them. No, I don't know. I, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> now, I don't know if any of them are or not. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, last week we didn't get to. We can work on our transitions. <laughs> <laughs> well, same sentence for five minutes. We just get sidetracked. So last week we didn't get to talk about the headline news. So we yes. wanted to start with that because it's an important topic. Yes. So we're looking at this headline. It was the cover story uh, from the Washington Blade a like a week ago. Because we were going to talk about last week. So it happened like a week or two ago. Yeah. And we liked it because it has Representative Maxwell Frost on the cover. Yes. Maxwell Alejandro Frost. So tell us Is the, full name. What's, the, what's the headline, who wrote it, what's in the article? All right. So uh, the article or the interview was done by Andre, Andreas I. Jove Rodriguez. <laughs> um, and they're with the Washington Blade. It also had some uh, Christopher Kane and Michael L. Lar K. Lavers. Lavers? Sorry. Um, also contributed to the story. They're both long, uh, long-time reporters. I hope with that the Washington one day Blade. that they do a podcast and they're like, um, uh, uh, this is a story written by a Jer Jer Jerome Wilhamians? Jeremy Wilhamians. Will-I-Ams. Will I hope they say Jerome will i because that is my stage name. <laughs> um, so the headline is, uh, it's a Washington Blade exclusive. First Gen Z congressman demands action on LGBTQ rights and gun control. Uh, so th those who don't know, uh, Representative uh, Maxwell Alessandro Frost um, represents uh, Central Florida um, in the House of Representatives in D.C., um, he is 26, and this past November when he was elected to Congress, he became the first Gen Zer elected to Congress. Um, he represents uh, Florida's 10th congressional district, which includes Pulse. T Pulse is within the 10th, uh, uh, 10th district. Um, he is also the co-organizer of the March for Our Lives that took place in D.C. in March 2018. That's a big deal. That's a, yeah, huge deal. I didn't know that until I read this article. Yeah. Unless it was in the article you wrote about him, and then I read it. Well, since you mentioned it, <laughs> excellent transition. Uh, last year, uh, obviously because he is in our readership area, um, and he was running for um, what, what is um, uh, Val Deming's old seat, uh, he was running for that. So we sat down and we chatted with him uh, when he won in his primary uh, and moved on uh, to the general election. Uh, luckily, the district is a super uh, making definitive statements without knocking on some wood. Uh, but we all knew he was going to win once he won the primary because for the arts for seven years here in Central Florida, being Representative Frost, uh, call in and let, or write in and let us know that we're idiots and we don't know what we're talking about. But I think that it's not specifically the drums he plays. I think just I'm going to wait until you finish that glass of wine. And deep in the bottle I am. Ooh. I am on my... Um, so, uh, so yeah, he got involved uh, in uh, organizing for uh, gun control uh, in 2012 after the Sandy Hook school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. Uh, he um, himself is a uh, was a, 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 a victim of gun violence, and do you know what that was from? I it's don't. In the article, I, I, they briefly mention it. He mentions it on his website, and they briefly mention it in the Washington Blade article. 
Um, but next time I see Maxwell, we're doing when we're chatting. Um, I do want to get some details on that because I found that out when I read uh, the Blade article that he was a victim of of gun violence. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to to hear that story if he's willing to tell it because I think it's important for people to hear that gun violence is a daily occurrence. Just because mm -hmm. I mean, even though like right now it's mass shootings are daily, but gun violence isn't just daily mass shootings. There's there's all kinds of crazy gun violence out there. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, Frost recently just introduced a bill alongside uh, U.S. Senator Chris Murphy, who is uh, a senator from Connecticut where Newtown happened. Um, Isn't he the, the Republican who was against? No, he's a Democrat. Okay, never yeah. mind. Um, uh, one last thing I will say uh, uh, specifically about Maxwell Frost is uh, this past... Oh, this is something else I did this weekend. Uh, nice throwback to earlier in the episode. Um, I went <laughs> Way to, back when. Way back when. <laughs> Um, I went and saw uh, Carlos Guillermo Smith, who announced his run for state senate, and he had Anna, uh, Representative Anna Escamani and uh, several, a bunch of uh, elected officials, but uh, Maxwell Frost was there. And I just got to say, two things. Um, I mean this in the most respectful way that I can say it. <laughs> that, that boy makes me fangirl. I mean, he is not only attractive, but he is smart. He is bright, he is intelligent, and watching him talk made me feel like I was at a, a an Obama rally, and this kid is gonna be president one day. He's impressive. He is so impressive, and I was just, I, I felt my cheeks turning red. Now, it may have been that it was outside, and I was super hot and sweating. Some of these cheeks? Yeah, well, that's the wine talking. <laughs> uh, but he is so charming, and he is so interesting and fascinating. He's an impressive young man. He is. He and knows he knows what he's talking about. He's he's very smart. You know, I, I will say this. Sometimes politicians get into this mode where it's like talking point, talking point, talking point. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm reading this, and I, I've heard him speak several times, and he doesn't – like he's saying the same things, but he's not saying it like they're talking points. He's saying it like – it is it, like it is the importance that it is, and I find that very impressive. He's a very impressive young man. He absolutely is. But just the like, I hope that everybody listening and you know wherever you live, that you have people like this in your life because uh, he's impressive. Carlos Guillermo Smith, who you mentioned, is mm -hmm. impressive, and he officially announced right that he's yes. Saturday ready. was um, as I was told by uh, his husband Jarek on Saturday before he officially made the announcement that uh, Carlos running for state Senate was the worst kept secret on Friday <laughs> in Central Florida. In fact, to the point where they just sent out a statement saying, yes, he's going to run for state <laughs> Senate. Funny. Please come out on Saturday to support him. <laughs> uh, and, and Anna Eskamani. All three oh, yeah. of, those, of those people are so impressive. And if you, have, if you have not been under a rock in the last week and you've watched TV to see what's happening in Tennessee and how crazy mm -hmm. it is, um, these are the kind of people that some stupid shit like that would happen to and because they stand up and they fight for people. And mm -hmm. I think that that's super impressive and want to give them all a big shout out. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what jumped out at you in this, in this article? What do you want to talk about that Maxwell Frost had to say? Uh, you know, the big thing is, is uh, just his passion for gun control or reform in, or with gun control. Um, recently... Uh, we will call the opposite of Maxwell Frost, Ron DeSantis, our governor, um, uh, 
supported and uh, encouraged the Florida legislature to pass a bill that allowed concealed guns uh, or, or allowed concealed carry without permits in the state of Florida. I see nothing that can possibly go wrong with that. No, no. It's, it's interesting because um, the two things that stick out most to this with me is first, he signed the bill in a private ceremony. He's too much of a coward to even do it publicly. And DeSantis is like Trump in the fact that he's not, um, he's not uh, averse to having big pomp and circumstance whenever he's uh, signing a bill. He likes to be the center of attention. He likes to you know, make big statements and say, look at me and all I'm doing for Florida. But he did this behind closed doors with nobody in the room except for the NRA, which tells me that in his hearts of hearts of hearts, in that cold, empty, steel drum where his heart should be, he knew that this was fucked up, what he was doing. Um, but the new law now allows anyone to, uh, who can legally own a gun in Florida to carry one without a permit, uh, no need for training, no need for background checks. Uh, you just stick it in your belt, cover it up with your shirt, and go about your day in public in Florida. It's, uh, it takes effect July 1st. Um, uh, let's see. DeSantis has no. said that he thinks Florida should even go even further than what the bill was passed and allow people just to openly carry. So he has no problem with people just walking around with guns uh, strapped to their waist where everybody can see them because he I doesn't mean, care that we live in fear. But it's that's that's like the best case scenario. They don't care if somebody's carrying an AR-15 walking down the street heading towards the you know a, a preschool. They don't care. Mm. You know where like, they oh, do look care? At that accessory. They care if you want to open carry or conceal that uh, gun if you're in inside. Drag. <laughs> well, that too, but inside uh, the Capitol building, I guarantee you that that you're not going to see a change in the laws that say you can't open carry or conceal carry in the House, in the Senate, or wherever the governor well, is at. Even that, even that um, permitless carry, mm -hmm. you still can't take them into certain places. You can't take them into schools. Um, there's there's a couple of places that you can. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. But I mean, there's plenty of places that but, you can take them yeah. where there's going to be uh, there's going to be violence and there's going to be shootings. And I imagine if I mean, I guess I'll say whatever you know to get people to email us <laughs> wwn at watermarkonline.com. <laughs> but you know, it's sort of you know, it, it it's like if you're the type of person who would do a, then you may be the type of person who do B. So let's just call this some sort of a SAT question. But if if you're if you're going to a grocery store or and I don't know cuz I don't come from a big gun family. So if so somebody please educate me if what I'm saying is completely offensive and wrong. But if you're if 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 you're the kind of person who's going to carry a gun with you all the time wherever you go, then you may be the kind of person who's going to use that gun. Mm -hmm. And if a situation goes awry, yeah, in 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 a situation that doesn't need to be escalated to the point that guns need to be pulled out, yeah, you know, and like somebody cuts you off on a road. Oh, oh, that's um, he makes reference to that, and I won't go into great detail. No, 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 no. you don't have to talk about it. No, no, it's fine. Um, but your life is in danger, But my life girl. wasn't, yeah. Uh, I had an incident recently where a gentleman pointed a gun at me on I-4 because he claims I cut him off. Now, I don't know. Maybe I did cut him off. Um, uh, oh, the story changes. I'm not saying I did or didn't. I don't remember if I did. However, the gentleman did pull up alongside me and uh, was screaming at me. 
And I even said, if I cut you off, I apologize. I didn't see you. And he pointed a gun at me after asking me to pull over. And I'm like, dude, you are approaching this all wrong. Yeah, you're coming on way too strong. I'm telling you, if you want me to pull over, screaming at me that you want to kick my ass and pointing a gun at me, not the way mm. to do it. You're showing me a steak dinner. Yeah. Maybe Ooh. I pull over. Ooh, if you got a pair, you've got a bag of gummy bears in that car. If you shake Ooh. those at me and like pull over, I am pulling over. But not those sour gummy bears that I ate here. Last oh week. no no no! Mm. They gotta be nice, soft, sweet gummy bears. Mm. Anyway, is so, that worth an ass whooping? I'm not gonna depends, ask a fistful of gummy bears. Depends how big the bag of gummy bears is. Um, but uh, I pulled this this up because I found this very fascinating. Um, because the reason for these is we keep hearing this this stupid shit where people are like, "Oh, uh, the only thing that'll stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun." So there's numerous states, I believe 23 or 24, 26, something like that, states that have. Concealed, the same concealed carry laws that just got passed in Florida. And uh, Gifford's Law Center, uh, research done there shows uh, that not only them, but numerous studies have confirmed that there's no credible scientific evidence that shows that permitless carry will protect public safety. In fact, the research overwhelmingly suggests the opposite of that, that if you have um, concealed carry laws in your state that you are more likely to have violence. You are more likely to have more shootings. So, um, but I mean, we're also talking to a group of people. I mean, Republican legislatures um, le uh, and lawmakers who don't listen to facts these days. So they see that and they're like, "Oh, that's got one of them liberal biases." They probably had a black transgender man make that law up uh, or that research center up Hi. and it's just like you know i, I have to pause um mm. to tell you i love i love the voice oh I, thank I you it. i know many people who use that voice so I, I did something like that around a group of people when i said and when i was talking about you know like conservative whatever and yeah I, and i gave that voice and they were like why'd you use that accent and then it made me laugh because they didn't necessarily agree with what i, I was mean, saying you let me know because you know how i am with accents i'm terrible at accents <laughs> that's why i never became an Please actor don't do anymore but that was <laughs> Me doing Yosemite Sam. Oh, Did that come across? I don't know. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, For those who are curious, that was my Yosemite Sam. You know, I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to sound like a fortune cookie here. I don't know. I've never read this in a fortune cookie, so I don't know why I said that. <laughs> you know what the problem with the phrase "a good well, a good guy with a gun"? Um, what is it again? Uh, the <laughs> only thing that can stop a bad, a bad guy, guy with a gun is a good, good guy with well, a gun. Well, first of all, not only guys carry guns. So let's just let's Did just you say, just assume my gunman's gender? Yeah. Yeah. Also, the problem with that statement, everyone thinks they're the good guy. A absolutely. And and no, I don't think that that could possibly be true. Yeah. You know, you're not, a lot of people a lot of people think in their minds that, oh, I'm a good person. Yeah. I do good things. And then if you start sort of like, I don't know, get out the old, you know, dry erase board and start writing down the good and the bad, you might find that a lot of people are bad people mm -hmm. that think they're good and think they're doing the right thing, and they're not. It's subjective. That's the whole problem yeah. with it. Yeah, going back to, to movies um, and quoting movies, there's a line, and I'm going to butcher it because I'm about a, almost two glasses in, um, but there's a line in Men in Black where uh, Will Smith is talking to Tommy Lee Jones' character, and he's like, you know, why don't you just tell people um, about aliens? People are are smart enough to, to, to understand it. And he said, a person is smart. People are dumb, stupid, and trigger happy. 
And it's true. It's true. And you can rationalize with an individual, but you put these these people in a group in a mob mentality, and and there is no good guy with a gun. It's everybody with an agenda and a bad gun. Yeah. And everybody filters. I mean, I just had this long conversation today with uh, Matt Palm at the Orlando Sentinel about um, perception and history mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times, you know, how people's filters and over time they create the history that they want to believe happened. And that's why it's so important to document history as it's happening so that you have the facts. But, you know, I don't think a lot of people are interested in facts. I don't get the obsession with guns. I mm-hmm. just don't. I, I've i been to a shooting range. I've, I've, I was You did panicked. very well. pretty good I'm, at it. I'll say I know that you're a humble person, so I will say <laughs> you're a real good shot. Yeah, I hit, I like, sitter mass. At first time firing a gun, He shot mass. the throat out of this paper person. <laughs> so, you know, um, I don't know. Do we want to tell that story or why we're even doing that? I mean, we can. We're, you know, I mean, it's, I'm, it's, I'm fine with it. Just I mean, in, a, it was, in a nutshell, it yeah. was, it was right after Pulse happened. Yeah, and that whole theory of that we've just been talking about is like, let's get more good guys with guns. So there's an organization that was paying for the class because to get you used to before today, have, yeah, before <laughs> or before be, July first. Before July first, you have to take a class and 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 do get a little bit of safety training. And and then fire a gun before they'll give you a permit. But they were paying for the class, and they were paying, they were reimbursing for the permits or something. I yes. Think. So so you and I took the course. So yeah, they they invited us to go do it, and I think at an editorial level, we just wanted to check it out and see how it was because yes. we wanted to see what the real process was like. Yes. And and this was done by a, uh, an organization called the Pink Pistols. Yeah, they you were, can they them were very nice. Very nice. Very friendly. LGBTQ people who are supportive of the Second Amendment. And after Pulse, a lot of people were scared, and they wanted to, if you were at the point where you were scared and you wanted to be able to uh, conceal carry, they wanted to help you right. uh, do that. And it was supposed to be for the LGBT community. Yes, it was for LGBTQ people. And now let's talk, reality, no. There were a lot of people there in that class who were not part of. Yes, but who, I don't know if everybody in the class was specifically part of that program. I think oh, they so just... They, may were, they just weren't there for the free whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the Pink Pistols had just kind of said, hey, this is the class, and it's just a general class. Now, do you remember the safety class? It was many years ago. Do you remember, like, because, you know, again, the history is skewed through our um, uh, own filters, but I seem to remember it being very political. And that, and that it was very much like, well... We're going to give you this permit. Oh, here I am doing it now. We're going to give you this permit. Oh, by the way, the instructor did not talk like this at all. No, no, no. <laughs> but, like, we're going to give you this permit, and, you know, you better get it while you can because the liberals are coming for your guns. Yes. They're going to come take your gun. Um, very pew, bizarre. Pew, pew. At one point, I felt like. It felt very I... conservative. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know that we belonged there. Yeah, about like... 20 minutes into the course, I was like, I'm going to say something. But then I realized everyone in the room had a gun, and I was like, mm, I'm not going to say yeah. something. It did not feel pink pistol-y. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> if you were to think what pink pistols would be like, you know, that we're all drink- sitting around drinking Cosmos. Seriously, you say pink pistols, pink pistols, I think everybody's got a tiny little gun, they've got a nice sparkly drink, and like Rue McClanahan's up yeah. there be like, okay, honey, pull yeah. out your gun. We, we all have little bags with chihuahuas in them. Ah, uh, what a good pink pistol meeting that would be. <laughs> You know, you can take that, by the way, Pink Pistols, if you're listening. You run with it. Run with it. Run Maybe with we'll, it. We'll come back. Uh, they were all very nice. Yeah. It was, like, oh, it was just a very yeah. weird setting. Yeah. But, you know, I just want to point out, if this ever resurfaces, I'm just going to get in front of it. 
Okay? They're, I get it. Sometimes you put a camera in front of somebody and they say stupid shit, and I did. You know, yeah. and so there was there was a documentary being filmed about this moment. <gasps> oh my god, I Remember forgot that? about that. Did and I talk to them? Yes. Oh you crap! Them, and then I talked to them, and I think the phrase um, "guns don't kill people, people kill people" came out of my face. Oh god, it's horrible. It's rancid. Wow, and it's incorrect. And wow. I understand that. <laughs> I understand that. And this is my last time on the podcast. I'm um, I just want to say I was like. Four glasses deep during that class. I don't know what I said. <laughs> it it um, it was in context of something. Like they kind. I think they were goading me into that. Yeah. And, also, and I so just want to reemphasize that this was shortly. And when I say shortly, I mean a days, month or yeah. two days. after Pulse. That we went to this class. They reached out to us days and later. And we may have actually wanted to take the class and consider Yeah, because, I mean, it was a, a terrifying time yeah. then. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a guy come in and shoot up a club here um, that we, uh, people we knew there and cl- a club that we had been to, um, that somebody had come in and just shot up and killed 49 people. Uh, there was a lot of fear. I mean, there still is fear, but there was a lot of fear then of we need to arm ourselves because they're killing us out there. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, I know, I think you and I did have that, we, we, we had that feeling for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I got nothing against people having handguns, and um, and, and I, I don't have anything against the Second Amendment. I just, I will never see how regulating driving cars is different than regulating guns. And oh, don't yeah. tell me it's a protect. You regulate voting. You regulate all these things that are rights of ours. There's no reason you can't regulate guns. I Absolutely. don't know the obsession with it, and it makes me angry. Yes. There's there's something else in this article I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, but we're gonna move we're gonna move on. Um, but at some point, I'm gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the Don't Say Gay Bill, and I'm gonna just yeah. cuss yeah. and scream about it. We're gonna circle back. I is, do want to say two quick things first. I just poured my third glass, so anybody <laughs> listening at home, make sure you're at least on your third glass. Um, and secondly, um, I forgot the second thing. <laughs> I just, you know what? Because you said it was a game that people could play at home. Now I'm all like keeping up with Jeremy. I dig it. Like <laughs> I don't remember what else I was going to say. Anyway. We were talking about Don't Say Gay, but we're going to move on. Yes. Because I want to give some time to talk about something. Now, Jeremy came up with this idea. He wanted to talk about this. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what I think about it or even introduce it. I'm going to let him do that. Except to say, when he told me he wanted to talk about this, I thought... Jesus, now I gotta listen. I gotta watch the slowest, stupidest movie in the world so that we can have a conversation about it. Blasphemous. Um, but it is the 25th anniversary of a, of a classic gay ish movie. Yes. Okay, so 25 years ago, a movie came out called Gods and Monsters. Uh, it is, when you hear the title, you probably think something like, uh, you know, a big monster movie, Godzilla. Um, some big. You know what I think of? I think Gerard Butler in a loincloth. Oh, or ooh. not a loincloth, but like you know, whatever. Mm. A, a toga. Now, a now toga. I'm thinking of Gerard <laughs> Butler in a loincloth. Uh, but Gods and Monsters is a small, um, independent film uh, written and directed by Bill Condon in 1998. Uh, Bill Condon went on to direct Kinsey, uh, Dreamgirls, and completely out of left field, the final two Twilight films. So. What? Uh, going from yeah, he had me thinking he was gay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he might he? be. Is I he? mean, because those are all gay-ish movies. And have you seen the last two Twilight films? They're pretty gay. 
Um, Team Jacob all the abs, way. Abs. 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 Werewolves. Abs. Um, <laughs> I think that you've devolved. <laughs> <laughs> I've become a caveman. Um, anyway, he wrote and directed this. Uh, it stars Ian McKellen, Brendan Fraser, and Lynn Redgrave. Um, and it is about the final days of James Whale, who is an openly gay director uh, from the 1930s and 40s and 50s. Uh, most uh, famously known for directing Frankenstein, The Bride of Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man. Which What's are... the first movie he directed? Something Journey. They oh, talk about it what? in the movies because um, it was a it w- it's like a classic, wasn't it? A classic book or something. Um, Journey's End Journey's was End. his directorial debate, isn't 1930. That a, isn't that a, a a classic? I feel like it is. Um, it is a warm film directed by James Whale. Based on a play by the same name. Yeah, I think I maybe I've heard of the play. So when I heard it in the movie, I thought, oh, that's that's famous too. So, yeah. th- okay, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. So you James Whale. Well, um, and, and what was interesting about him is during his time in Hollywood, he was openly gay. Now, not openly gay, like he was having pride festivals and like Harvey Milk on a, a milk box. Soapbox chanting into the air about you know coming out, uh, but he didn't hide his homosexuality, which was extremely rare back then. Uh, but the film looks at his final days. Uh, it's a dramatization. It's not a biography. Um, and in that, uh, the reason I say that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, because Brendan Fraser plays uh, a character by the name of Clayton Boone, who's a complete, completely made up character. Uh, he's not somebody who actually existed. Uh, but the film looks at uh, James Whale's final days uh, after – this is a few years after he's retired from directing movies. He's just had – uh, recently had a major stroke, um, so he's in ill health. And Clayton Boone is this former Marine who is his new, Whale's new gardener. And the film is a look at kind of their relationship – before Whale, spoiler alert. I mean, this isn't really a spoiler alert because it's history. You've but had 25 years to, yeah, if you, to watch it. If you do want to watch this going in knowing nothing, if you know nothing about James Whale, turn away. Um, but he did commit suicide uh, by drowning himself in his swimming pool. Here's an interesting tidbit I learned because the film ends with his him killing himself. Um, up until 1987, everyone thought it was an accident because his suicide note was kept private by his lover. And he did not release the suicide note until his deathbed in 1987. So for 30 years, people thought he accidentally drowned in his swimming pool. So the, so the movie is just completely not what happened in reality. The only thing that happened in the movie that um, is real life is he drowned in a pool. <laughs> and he directed those movies. He directed those <laughs> movies. And there was a photo op where he... Um, was con- uh, kind of, you know, misled into going to a party where Boris Korloff, Korloff? Their glasses kicking mm. in. Uh, where the actor who played Frankenstein and the actress who played the Bride of Frankenstein were there. Um, so there's a, photo, a famous photo of the three of them together. Um, he did not know that that was be- going to happen. That was kind of uh, planned uh, without his knowledge. But that's basically it. Everything out of there is a dramatization of something that may or may not happen with a fictional gardener that was not a real person. Um, okay. I mean, that, 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 explains, that explains the movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of it? I mean, what are your... What are your I, I get the impression that you really like this movie. I love this movie. And I... Uh, 
the movie got some really great reviews. It was nominated for three Academy Awards. I feel like it should have been nominated for more. Um, Did you think that a Best Supporting Actor nomination was deserved? I honest, uh, no. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I um, say, it would dictate what I think about your opinion. I, <laughs> I love Brendan Fraser, and absolutely, he deserved the Oscar. Um, ironically, for the movie called The Whale, which is this man's last name. Um, but no, I feel like he was miscast. I love Brendan Fraser. I don't feel like he had the acting gravitas for that role then. However, Ian McKellen, 100% should have won the Oscar for that. Who uh, won that year? Roberto Ben Bendiniti. <laughs> Oh, my God. I think this is the first episode where you've actually gotten drunk. Robert, Roberto Benjamini from Life is Beautiful. Okay. Oh, yeah. First of all, you didn't deserve the Oscar, Roberto, because here's the people he was up against. He was up against uh, not only Ian McKellen, but Tom Hanks for Saving Private Ryan, Nick Nolte for Affliction, and Edward Norton for American History X. Mm, I've seen all five movie. movies. And Life is Beautiful is the worst of the five performances. However, this is also the Oscars where um, Shakespeare in Love beat Saving Private Ryan for Best Picture. Um, so no. this this is just a year where the Oscars didn't, didn't know what the fuck climb, they were didn't talking he about. he climb the stairs? He the, climbed the on chairs. the top of the seats of... This man <laughs> climbed onto the back of the seat of Steven Spielberg and... Held onto his head like he was a fucking puppet. I am. Uh, that's funny. Anyway, <laughs> I went on a tangent. Ian McKellen was amazing in this role. I thought Lynn Redgrave, who actually I believe played his real, uh, is based on a real character of his housekeeper who took care of him and his nurse who took care of him after he had his stroke, who was not pleased that he was a homosexual. No, and I found that grotesquely irritating. But, you know, I, I had to keep rem reminding myself, what year does this take place? 1950s. Yeah, so basically the 1950s, <laughs> right? So I have to keep reminding myself because there were a lot of parts in this movie 1957. Where I was angry. Um, you know, I want to I'll say this. Yeah, I want to know what you thought of the film. I thought immediately, immediately in the first 10 minutes, symbolism overkill. Yeah. We get it. You created a movie about monsters, and now you feel like you're the monster. Got it. Reminded of it every five minutes. It's called symbolism. It is symbolism overkill. <laughs> like, at least, like, you should be pondering this at the end of the movie. Like, oh, you know what? All of this adds up to be the... No, this was, like, in your face. You know what it reminded me of? It remind reminded me of Brendan Fraser's Oscar acceptance speech for The Whale where it was nothing but whale puns. And I thought, that's where he learned it. He learned it on the set of Gods and Monsters. Um, I do want to say that, having said that, the symbolism is beautiful. Yeah. The, the story is great. I, I, want, I, I, I remember now, after seeing it again, that I, I remember seeing it when I was younger. And when he's in the in his studio and he's looking out over the pool and he's reminiscing about the pool parties that he had. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking in my head, this is what I want my life to be. This is my goal <laughs> to just have a pool party with just hot guys everywhere. Bathing suits. Were you surprised suits. because it just kind of pops out of nowhere. Uh, were you surprised by the full frontal male nudity? That was 
that was not hanging down. No! It was pointing straight at the camera. Yeah! I'm like, you're not supposed to look at the camera, not even with your one eye. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I do, I thought it was beautiful. Honestly, the fact that, that, that he was, he was a monster to everyone in that movie. Oh, yeah. He was a predator. He was, mm -hmm. he was, um, as she said, he indulged in sins of the flesh. Um, he, but he was everyone I would want to know right now. He was hilarious and he was bold and talented and he had no, all he wanted was that love. And they kept, and this mm -hmm. is what they kept doing. They kept playing that same clip over and over again where yeah. the monster's like, love, good. And um, it was, sounds like Thor in Ghosts. <laughs> love, good. <laughs> Friends, good. Hate, bad. <laughs> Hell, no good. Um, so, you know, in that, in that, that was his life. Yeah, and that's probably why. I mean, in the movie, I don't, I don't believe it to be real life at all anymore. So he, it's probably why he hated them talking about the movies so much. That's yes. all everybody want to talk about. He want to talk about it because he felt like that was him and that he was a monster. And that scene where he's at that party and his mm -hmm. lover will not be around him, or mm -hmm. it's like you know, that's tragic. That's that's you talk about loneliness. This guy stood out when nobody would stand out, and he was alone, and he yeah. was a monster. That man, uh, his boyfriend in the movie, um, is actually the one in real life who found his body in the pool. Oh, wow. And he found the suicide note, and he's the one who kept it and didn't tell anybody about it until 30 years later. In fact, he didn't even release the whole thing. He released an excerpt of it. And in all honesty, nobody knows entirely what is in the suicide note. But do you want to hear the part that was released? Let's hear it. All right. So it starts out, to all I love, do not grieve for me. My nerves are all shot. And for the last year, I have been in agony day and night, except when I sleep with sleeping pills. And any peace I have by day is when I am drugged by pills. I have had a wonderful life, but it is over and my nerves get worse. And I am afraid they will... They will have to take me away, so please forgive me, all those I love, and may God forgive me too, but I cannot bear the agony of, of it as best for everyone this way. The future is just old age and illness and pain. Goodbye, and thank you for all your love. I must have peace, and this is the only way. Yeah, he probably took out the paragraphs that said, sorry to my lover, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the other queer that made... Um, uh, a star is born. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he'd probably cut all that out. So even yeah. and so that guy who found them probably didn't want anybody to know that there was anything going on. So he hid it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he released it on his deathbed. I think that he released on his deathbed. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, because it wouldn't matter if people knew he was. Yeah. Gay then. So I think that he released all the or kept all the personal stuff. There probably was a lot more personal stuff in there. Um, but it really speaks to um, even back then, just this need for. Um, if you do not, um, uh, if you're not happy in your life or you're, you, all you see in your, your future is pain and suffering because of illness, um, this needing to just have the option to say, hey, I'm ready for my life to end. Um, and I feel like that would have been a fascinating way to look at this story. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they threw that fictional part in there with this fascination with his gardener. Which is great. Not not. I I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I do think that Brandon Fraser was um, uh, improperly cast, but I do I did like the movie. I love the movie, yeah. and I think that it really has a lot of interesting things about a director who uh, was really ahead of his time. Not just 
in film, but in social uh, social issues as well. When it when it comes to Brendan Fraser, I wrote this down in my notes. Brendan was not nominated. I see why. <laughs> there yeah. was a part where he went from like zero to sixty, and it was really. And I looked over at Jed, and I said, mm, "I can see why he wasn't nominated." The part where he's okay. Yeah, the 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 number one scene where I'm like, "Ooh, Brandon," when um, Ian McKellen wants him, to, James Will yeah. wants him to kill him. And he's like, I am not your monster. And then just burst into tears. I'm like, ooh, mm. someone should have worked with you on that scene. He was a hot monster, though. God, he was, he was hot, hot back in that then. Show. Anyway, um, so Gods and Monsters, let's talk Rotten Tomatoes real quick. Uh, okay, well, I know the critics loved it. So I'm going to say like um, a 90 or an 89. I'm going to go 89. Audiences don't really like independent films. So I'm going to say 81. 96. <gasps> ooh. 82. Ooh. Yeah. I get why they don't like it. Now, we were going to talk about bros. One of these days, we're going to get to that, because we have very strong, yes. differing opinions you on You know this. what? Bros to us is like um, Matt Damon to Jimmy Kimmel. We're just always <laughs> going to say, we didn't have time for it. Maybe next time. Because <laughs> we're always at that. That's always on the end of the list. Like, oh, if we, need, if we have time, we'll talk about bros. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if we're going to be... We don't know if we're going to be here next week. Episode 13 might might have to skip a week. Um, but we'll see. If we but we have enjoyed early, our we'll... time with you. And yeah. um, if now we, you... Now, drink your wine so you can go embarrass me in front of the boy Drink band. your juice, Shelby. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us. If you have any comments, you want to email us, wwn at watermarkonline.com. That's for wine, why not, at watermarkonline.com. And until next time, the cork is back in the bottle. <laughs>